0: and i'm like well why do you want to reform and and their response is usually well i want to make greek life more inclusive like i want to help these people that are saying they're so negatively affected by it and i'm like well did you actually listen to the people that are saying they're so negatively affected by it because they're actually not asking you to reform it. They're they're telling you that it's beyond reform. They're telling you that like the system itself functions off of exclusion and there's no way of getting around that. And and if you really listen to the people that you say you want to reform it for, it's kind of, at least for me, it was hard to like listen to that and then be like, oh, I still want to reform because that just didn't make sense. That's, that's like not the next logical step.
1: So on this episode of Neem Talks Race, I talk with three students from Vanderbilt University, Julia, Joey, and Lamar, about the abolishing Greek life movement that has really been taking place across the country, really, but Vanderbilt in particular has gotten a lot of attention nationally and internationally for really pushing for abolishing Greek life as a whole. So in this episode, we talk about their personal experiences with Fraternities, sororities, and why they dropped, Um, the whole discussion of reform versus abolition and what that looks like for Greek life, and essentially next steps for when Greek life is abolished what would college campuses look like. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining me today. I think this is going to be a very interesting episode on Greek life, in particular with Vanderbilt University and the Abolish Greek Life movement that is taking off all over the country, but in particular, Vanderbilt has been one of the leaders for this movement. So I'll start off with introductions for me. I'm Tasneem, he, she, her pronouns. I identify as a Brown, and I'm not in a sorority but I'm an incoming college student, so whoever wants to go.
0: Uh, I'm Julia. I use she, her pronouns, and I identify as biracial, white, and Filipina. Um, and I also think it's important to note for the people who don't know me that I'm white-passing. And I was in Pi-Fi at Vanderbilt, but I recently dropped within the last month.
2: My name is Joey. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. And I identify as Chinese. Um, and I haven't officially dropped out of Delta Tau Delta. But I am working on it. Because we try to dismantle the whole fraternity as a whole. But it turns out you can't do that. And you have to individually drop one by one. So I still have to fill out like the paperwork and stuff for that. But yeah.
3: Hi, I'm Lamar Morgan. Um... My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, I am currently also in the process of dropping. It's a fairly recent thing. Like in the last few days, I've kind of talked about it. Um, And yeah.
1: Okay, great. So, one of the things I first wanted to talk about was why you initially joined Greek Life. Like, and I guess now what has made you drop it?
2: I, I pretty much joined because of, you know, the main reason was. That I wanted to meet people who, um, who had the same like values as me, who liked to, you know, put the put their education and also having a good time and having a good social life first. And so I, I really liked that balance that I struck in high school. So I felt like Greek life would be a good place for me to find that balance again in college. Um, and obviously I had known like Greek life is kind of like a, a really bad petri dish for like you know, sexual assault and, um, you know, drug abuse and stuff like that. Um, but I, I kind of just pushed that aside and I was like, I just won't be one of those people that that participates in all these bad things. I'll just, you know, take advantage of the good things in Greek life. And so that's why I
3: joined. Um, I think my I- Reason was much the same. <clears throat> um, if when I first got to campus, I didn't think I was going to join at all. Like I didn't keep track of any of the rushing things. And then a friend of mine asked me to come out to um, his fraternity and rush there. Um, and yeah, I think you know much the same. Just trying to have fun, trying to get to a body of people you think you can relate with. Um, and that's what I found um, in my fraternity on campus. Um, and I felt really good about those guys and you know what they meant. And again, sharing certain values. And uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think for me, going to a school like Vanderbilt, where I didn't know anyone, I was really just trying to find an outlet to meet new people and make new friends. Um, And Greek life is sort of promoted as like the best way and the biggest way to do that at Vanderbilt. And so with like 40% of uh, women on campus participating in sororities, I was like, there was there was like an added social pressure, but also just kind of like the idea of wanting to get to know people um, when I didn't, come
2: in knowing anyone. Is it 40%? Yeah. I heard it was 50% for for women and 30% for men. Oh yeah. I mean I think Yeah. It's, yeah,
0: yeah, it's a large portion basically.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I was looking into Vanderbilt, it seems like it's a very like Greek life is a big thing at that school. So yeah. I was also looking at the New York Times article that came out recently, mainly interviewing Vanderbilt students about this new abolish Greek life movement. And it seems like it started to pick up after the death of George Floyd and when Black Lives Matter was really gaining traction. Would you say that's kind of when you noticed a lot of people were starting to have doubts about Greek life at all?
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You can go ahead.
0: ahead. Uh, Well, I was going to say, so I was involved in a Group within Greek life called GIA, which is the Greek Inclusivity Alliance, um, and basically what that group does is works towards just creating a more inclusive space in Greek life. Um, so I think a lot of us in that group kind of started having the conversation about abolishing Greek life a little bit earlier than it's sort of getting to the rest of Greek life and the rest of campus. Um, and yeah, so basically once that once that conversation started, it, it definitely. Uh, started picking up right after the death of George Floyd. Um, there was a woman in Kappa Kappa Gamma at our school um, who you know, brought up the conversation of talking about George Floyd to her chapter. And um, the chapter from what I've heard was not receptive to wanting to have that conversation and kind of was like pushing it aside. Um, and so she dropped her sorority and then sort of spearheaded um, the conversation with a lot of other people who started dropping their uh, houses too, so that's kind of how it started.
1: Did it seem like it took like at least a couple people within each like house to really initiate that conversation or would like someone from a different frat or sorority hear something is going on in another one and then start to have their own doubts or did it seem like someone really had to at least maybe like pioneer that idea within each
0: group
3: um i think the idea was like more so pioneered kind of it it didn't really feel like it was coming from within all the greek orgs. i think like from the beginning there was kind of you know um i think the first i ever heard of it was just uh there was a guy in deke who was you know pretty much very outspoken about it um and, and, and it kind of just put the whole um the whole movement on the map, I think, and just like a very public, a very this is our stance, this isn't waving, this is how we feel, um, and, and you know, just really made it this like like this front, it's like this 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 entire wave, and you know, this social media picked up, and then you know, different organizations started to pick up, and you know, once we heard you know more about it, and then other people started to join, people started to drop. I don't think necessarily it was like a consensus on. There's a little bit a little bit of everybody and everything that's kind of saying yeah, we, we're down for this, but more so just, it had an epicenter that I think was just kind of in one place and then that's kind of just been gaining momentum.
1: Joey, what were you going to say before I asked that question?
3: Oh, yeah, I was
2: just going um, to, you, you mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement and I just wanted to, to, to kind of put my I, idea out there um, about how, like, obviously quarantine has given us a lot of time to self-reflect and like look at our lives. And the the things that we're a part of, and I um, I really noticed like a lot of comparisons between Greek life and like the American policing system. You know, they're both um, they're both systems based off of exclusion. You know, it's it's they're they're meant to oppress certain people so that other people can to, can rise to the top at, at a more faster rate. Um, so I I eventually decided that if I wanted to be as progressive as I said I was. I couldn't associate myself with this organization and still call myself you know a progressive person. And so that's that was the main reason why I decided to drop.
1: Yeah. I definitely saw stuff like that going around online with like people I guess saying like to be a true ally to this movement and as like a college student is to really like just drop your fraternity or sorority as a whole. And I'm wondering because I know for me personally I knew like Greek life was like a very white thing and I was not attracted to it for that as a reason and also just of how cult-like it just felt to me but I never knew like historically how they started and obviously with this movement taking off I've seen way more on social media about how it really just advanced like rich white students on campus and kind of furthered like this whole elite thing. And I'm wondering, did you guys have an understanding about like how Greek life really started in that sense? Or was it not until you were seeing more things online, hearing things from other people, that Greek life, like you said, kind of was started to exclude people? Or was that something you've been learning a lot more now recently?
0: I think for me, I. I had an underlying understanding of that just from like knowing how Greek life started and how like it started for white people and and people of color weren't even allowed to, to join. And so that was something that was like in the back of my mind when I joined. And I think I could have definitely been a lot more like reflective on when I decided to rush and join Greek life. Um, but I do think now a lot more information is just more, like, out there and available on social media, especially about, like, especially on the Abolish Vandy Greek Life Instagram page. I think they're, like, releasing a lot of things, like, specific historical events or statistics that I didn't really know about um, that are very impossible to ignore once you see them and once you learn about them, and so I think there was, for me, an understanding from the beginning that what I was participating in wasn't you know, perfect, and there wasn't, there was a lot of things about it that I didn't agree with, but I also think that I sort of had this, a little bit of, like, a naive perception of, like, oh, well, there's GIA, which was the the Greek Inclusivity Alliance I was talking about, like, well, there's that, and so, obviously, they're doing things to try to make it better, um, and that kind of, like, justified joining for me, Um, but ultimately, once I actually started participating in that group, and also just hearing from the people that you know, Geo was trying to help, it turned out that, like, the stuff that we were doing and the things that we were implementing to try to make Greek life better, like, people were saying they weren't working. And, like, the people who are being excluded by the system were saying, this isn't helping. What would actually help is if you just got rid of it entirely. And so, for me, that was kind of the turning point where I was, like, what's the point in trying to reform an organization for these people that are like being excluded by it. If they actually don't want it to be reformed, they want it to be gone. So that was, that was the turning point for me.
3: Um, yeah. I'd, I'd say I, I did know just a good bit about going in, but again, like Julia said, I think you're kind of, when you're, when you're looking for something to, you know, the larger than yourself to be a part of. And, and also like Joey said, if, if you commit yourself that you're not going to be, like, like that person, if you're not going to be the person to take part in all of the bad parts in Greek life, especially when, um, you know, Vanderbilt as a whole is as many, you know, terrible things have come out about Vanderbilt's Greek life in the past. I would still say as a whole, Vanderbilt's Greek life is incredibly reformed from the average, you know, Greek life, especially at large state schools um, in the country. And, and so it kind of, you know, Reform has happened to the point to where it should be. I don't necessarily have faith that it will get to a point where it's good. So, um, kind of, you know, my reason for dropping, but I think that, you know, just going into it and just kind of saying to yourself, I want to find some people I connect with. Um, and I, and I think that you can do that. Um, and I think, you know, where, where am I going with this? (laughs) you might not
1: need you might not need greek life necessarily to do that that's what it
3: kind of sounded like you know you don't necessarily you don't necessarily need greek life to do that and i think you know if it was an avenue for somebody who's coming on campus and i would say at large that i don't support greek life if i was at a state school i don't think i would have um done anything you know i don't support hazing all of these different things and luckily i found you know a group of guys i feel really good about all aspects of my personal experience in greek life but um you know, just as a whole, I, th- I think that once when you get into a situation where you feel good about your place in it, it's kind of hard to be considering all of these different points about how bad it may be, especially when you personally don't have the power to affect the kind of change that's kind of starting to snowball right now. You know, it takes a large group thing, and especially from a minority perspective, we don't really have the power ourselves to affect the kind of change that... Um, we're seeing in the Greek movement right now, you know, cause majority of the people in Greek life are white and have, you know, are more well off. So it's kind of up to letting them decide whether or not they actually wanna make changes and, you know, actually care to get, you know, on the movement. Um, and I think that, you know, as a minority in any situation, you just learn to live and, and just kind of piece together like what you can of your happiness and a good experience for yourself, regardless of what's really going on around you. Cause you're kind of forced to do that in a lot of situations you know, like, yeah. Well, um,
2: sure. For DELT, I know the, the way they taught us the way that it was formed. Um, it was formed by, I think, seven men who wanted to form it like a secret literary society. And so they excluded people based on that. Like if you if you didn't fit this description of like an educated scholar, you couldn't join the club. And as, as uh, colleges and universities adapted and, and, and added Greek life into their system. Um, the exclusion moved from scholars to wealth. and so because because everyone at a university is going to be relatively scholarly, um, so it, it it moved on to be something that if you couldn't pay to join this organization, then you couldn't join the organization and as as um, time passed and um, more policies enacted by the government were set in place that 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 created a more... Obvious divide between different races, a different races where one race was statistically more more well off, um, economic, economically, um, that exclusion that was originally wealth turned into a race-based exclusion, and so I feel like that is kind of not taught at all um, within like rushing or or pledging. um, And I feel like that that definitely needs some reform. If Greek life were to actually reform, that would be one of the steps that they need to take.
1: I've just been looking at the Instagram account right now and seeing all these things. It's very crazy. Um, Like this one person said, it's generally very tough for a marginalized person as a person of color to join and feel like they fit in. And so I'm curious that once you guys are actually like in it, you're, you know, getting adjusted to Greek life did you feel were you kind of aware of how people perceived you because of your race and like was it were you having like an identity crisis in there like what is that like and, Julia you can start I saw your yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think honestly a lot of the experiences that I had around like kind of figuring out how my race played into being in Greek life. Um, I didn't really realize were happening at the time. And it wasn't until a lot later that I sort of reflected on those experiences and realized that they were related to race. Because I think being biracial and being white passing provides an experience where like, I don't always know how I'm going to be perceived by people in different spaces. And so I sort of just like, at least in high school, I was like more often than not perceived as white. And so I kind of assumed that was going to be a similar thing that happened at Vanderbilt. Um, And going into the rush process, at least for sororities, it's like so based on your appearance. I mean, you like go into these houses for basically no time at all. They look at you, they talk, they have a conversation with you for a few minutes, and that's pretty much the only impression that they have of you. Um, And so something that happened to me that I sort of reflected on later because I didn't really realize the gravity of what it meant in the moment, but um, there was one house that I got asked back to for the second round. Um, And when I went in to talk to one of the members of the house, um, we started talking about different organizations that we wanted to, that like I wanted to get involved in on campus because like since I was new to the campus, I was like not involved in a ton of things. And I was telling her that I wanted to get involved in PISA, which is like the the Philippine Student Union, basically. Um, And she was like, oh, like, that's so cool. I'm also Filipino. And I was like, oh, no way. Like, what a coincidence. Like, that's so cool. And so we talked about that for a little bit. But then afterwards, somebody told me how when you go back to houses, after the first round, they sort of like gather information about you and pair you with people based on similarities that you have with them. So I started thinking about it. And I was like, that's kind of weird, because I feel like I didn't have that much in common with this girl, besides the fact that we were both Filipino. And so then I was thinking, like, was that something that like, was a conscious decision on their part to like pair us because we're both Filipino. And like, then I started thinking, that's kind of weird, because I feel like you know, white girls being paired with other white girls, they're not being paired because they're white, they're being paired because they have this similarity or like, you know, they wanna do this thing the same. And so that was something that I started thinking about. Um, But I didn't really know if that was just like an isolated situation or not. But then I actually talked to one of my other friends who um, identifies as biracial as well, white and um, Korean. And she was telling me how at multiple houses, she was constantly being paired with Asian girls. And I was like, it just seemed a little too coincidental to be a coincidence, you know? So that, that was something that I started thinking about. Um, and that happened even before I joined a house. Like that was during the rush process. So yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting.
3: Um, I've had pretty much all good experiences. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, the general expectation has been, and I think especially, you know, from this movement being placed on me and kind of why I've had such a hard time um, making the decision to drop and how I kind of had to think way outside of myself to do so is I felt extremely comfortable in my um, fraternity on campus. You know, at no point did I feel like, and and I can't even say, I, I feel like my race didn't play a role because that's like, that's dismissive. You know, that's kind of the, Oh, I don't see color argument. And it was never even that. I feel like there was genuine consideration. Um, we had other brothers of color that were African and African American, um, and just like talking to them and then talking about their experiences. And it was just a stack of good. And it made me feel really good. Cause personally um, I'm an African-American man who has never felt comfortable in total African-American spaces. You know, I don't spend any time um, at the black student association, um, black Vandy. I have never felt good about, um, you know, I, I really got into a space at Pike where I was like, you know what, this feels really good. Even, even though the national organization and just thinking about Greek life as a whole, I was like, you know, I'm kind of putting these letters on, but th- they, they, they made up for me what those letters represented on a national scale. You know, they made me feel better than what those letters would have made me feel if I wasn't in any Greek life, if I just looked at them as a whole. Um, And it was, it was a really great, 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 great experience. And, you know, I love my brothers for that, especially when, you know, the George Floyd thing happened and, you know, the amount of support I got there, the amount of, you know, learning and education I saw coming out, you know, and it wasn't even this, you know, how some people go about it and they're like, oh, I feel so bad. You know, I want you to say, I understand, you know, I, I was approached with, I know that I don't understand, but I want to learn. And it, it was, it was a really amazing thing. It was really, really refreshing. Um, and I can genuinely say that for the most part, it was, it was, it was across the board. Yeah. You know? um, so my experiences have been yeah very good.
2: I really, I really got to kind of agree with uh, Lamar here because like I, I, when I was rushing, I really felt like, my race wouldn't have been significantly in like inhibitory to my joining of any fraternities besides maybe ka and so i didn't really think that i was being oppressed during rushing and honestly like where i live right now um like all my friends are are white like my high school was like two like 98 percent white and so I didn't really have the opportunity to make a lot of diverse friendships. And so honestly, being in DELT, it was more diverse than my friend group in, in high school. And so I didn't really see a problem in the system while I was in there. Uh, but obviously, looking at it from, from an objective perspective, um, it's really easy to see how it is problematic because, you know, you you hear about a sexual assault case from From a brother and a frat and how they don't really get kicked out of the frat and you kind of shrug it off you know you're like that's kind of normal and that shouldn't be your reaction at all you know you you should be mad at that you that should be infuriating but it's not and so that's pretty crazy to me if if you really look at it from like an objective standpoint yeah
0: Yeah. if i can like say something to what joey just said too i think that like something that i started to notice about kind of the bond that you Foster in sororities, and I can't really speak to fraternities, but um, sororities is that like you guys are like sisters, and so what kind of comes along with that is this idea that like you always are giving each other the benefit of the doubt, you're not really being that critical of each other because you're like, Oh, this is my sister, like I would assume best intent, like I would assume that they you know have the same values as me and whatnot, but then really what that just ends up doing is making a space where, like, people don't feel comfortable being critical of one another or holding each other accountable. At least that was my experience with, with pi Phi, And to me, that just felt really off and weird because, like, in my own friend groups outside of Greek life, like, I feel like I try to foster the type of relationship where we can be critical of one another and can hold each other accountable. And, like, being a part of a group that's supposed to, like, really promote this, like, sisterhood and just, like, super close relationships, it, like, didn't feel right that there was also this kind of like expectation that you're not supposed to be critical of one another, kind of, um, which I feel like is a big part of Greek life.
1: And that would make sense as to why it seems like on the Instagram account and what a lot of students were saying that like a lot of racist incidents that have either happened to them or other people were just kind of swept under the rug and people just kind of moved on and, you know, just kind of have this, I don't know if facade is the right word but just kind of have this thing up in the air where it's like you know assume best intent nothing was like done for the wrong reason and just kind of move forward and not really like be critical of the situation the individuals involved in like next steps from that people just kind of pushed it away so I could imagine that was definitely a thing but I think people listening, especially to maybe like Joey and Lamar, what you guys were saying about um, like how you had great experiences. I'm sure they're probably like, well, why are you guys going to drop then? But if you would want to like further clarify that, because I'm sure people might be confused. I know you said it earlier, but maybe like in a shorter statement.
3: Well, I was talking to Joey about this um, earlier. And I I think it's just like, it was looking at this statistics wise. um, And I was talking to, You know, an older woman I really look up to and I was telling her how great my experience was and we kind of talking and we kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, if you have a a data set and it's like a bunch of 50s and 51s and 52s and then you have an outlier that's like 100 and something, you're going to throw that out. Um, And if I'm going to look at my situation and say, I really love this and I really had fun here and I wish this was something that I could continue to be a part of. But, you know, it, it, the same step, that's why I said I had to kind of step out of myself and thinking about my place in Greek life, because I have to realize that that is an exception, that that is an outlier. Um, and, and my fraternity has not been on campus that long. Um, we've been here, I think, four or five years. And I think that also says something, you know, to about what the values of your fraternity are going to be because it's a very traditional thing. If you' a fraternity that was made today, I would assume that most likely you're going to have a lot of the values that a person our age would have right now. Um, and that fraternity would probably also be a fraternity that was you know much more forward, probably less hazing, you know, more diverse. Um, and if you look at you know Greek life as a whole, these are old things. These are fraternities that have been in place for 150 years, 70 years, 50 years, and you know kind of carrying the traditions that they've had there. And that's what the status quo is. Um, and so for me, you know, looking at, I I think that's, you know, that's pretty much it. Just like, you know, trying to recognize that however I got into this was the exception and be grateful that I did come into it, um, into a way that, you know, I, I truly felt really very, very proud about, you know, the, the, a lot of the grievances that people are having with Greek life, um, you know, and becoming so public with now, those are, you know, kind of the conversation that I was having during rushing. And these are some of the conversations that we were having during, you know, um, pledging and just, I I always felt like there was this constant push to be better. And so when the idea of reform was just being so quickly shut down, I was like, well, I, you know, I can't say wholly that it's impossible, but what I can say is, is that, you know, as a black man, you will kill yourself. Trying to change and educate all the people around you—that's going to be more so their decision. And I know that, me personally, being on Vanderbilt student government um, and wanting to, you know, have a positive impact on the campus, I can't trust that the people we're expecting to reform will do the reform. That's—I I can't put my faith in reform, you know. And so, um, yeah. Oh.
1: that was well said. I think that will definitely make a lot of people think about who are listening at least, like if they do have positive experiences, I'm sure they're gonna have like a hard time wanting to leave it, but I think that's, especially the statistics example you gave, I think that was really great. And I think that'll put things into perspective. Joey, what about you?
2: Yeah, um, when I decided to drop and I sent like my paragraph into the, the fraternity group me saying like the reasons I wanted to drop, um, I got overwhelming support. Like a lot, of, a lot of my brothers texted me saying like, I totally understand what you're going through and I totally understand your decision. And like, we're still going to be friends. Like we're still going to be like as close as we were as if you didn't drop. And so to me, dropping the fraternity itself isn't going to damage any relationships that I had. And so although I did have an amazing experience in Greek life, I can still remove myself from a toxic system, but still have the friendships and the positive experiences that I would have had if I were already in the system. Yeah, that's really, that's really about it. It's, it's not, it's not affecting my life, ni- my life negatively, you know, in, 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 in large extent. So it's not, it's not really much of a question for me.
1: Obviously abolishing Greek life definitely seems like the best choice for a lot of different reasons. And Lamar brought up a point about how if fraternities were started like right now, likely those values they have would be more in line with most people like your age. And so I'm curious, do you think that all of Greek life needs to be abolished and maybe in the future they could start up again in a completely different way? Or do you just think better off without them and we never even try to attempt something similar?
3: Personally, I just I think that the the general attitude with the AGO movement right now is that that's the right answer. And through that, I am seeing the vilification of anything that isn't just scrap Greek life, and especially when this is a thing that there are certain points that will improve when Greek life goes away. But we also have to recognize that getting rid of Greek life as a whole and supporting that movement is also performative in essence. And and I believe that you know no matter what we're doing, the reason I haven't been an outspoken critic or an outspoken supporter of AGL is because the conversations I want to have are the what's going to happen afterwards. And I'm glad you asked that because we don't know. And what I am not seeing in the current movement are people talking about what's the next step is going to be. It's like, yeah, it's good you dropped, but how is that person going to change personally? Yes, it's good that this institution is gone. How are you going to further, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, go join multicultural orgs, go do this, go do that. But, you know, what is going to be your individual, like how, how are you gonna help it be better in the future? So I, you know, I'm all down for pointing out issues. I want things to be fixed. I'm a black man and I come from a poor background. You know, I definitely want to make sure that more people like me and people that aren't like me feel good. But I also wanna make sure that one, we are not breaking down the bonds that we have with people through this process. And two, that whatever we do decide to do afterwards because nobody knows what the right answer is gonna be. It's just that we're actually putting forth some kind of effort to make something better, because I, I would genuinely rather people stay in Greek life than we get rid of it all and nothing actually, you know, change socially.
2: Yeah, yeah I was, I, just to go off what Lamar said, um, I was listening to this podcast, I think on, on the drive home yesterday, and it was saying like, when you, vote, when you vote for a candidate because you want a racist institution to be less racist, are you doing it because you want the racist people to feel bad about themselves? Or are you doing it to actually make society more progressive and more equal for the oppressed peoples? And I feel like that's a lot of what is happening nowadays is, is not creating actual change in society. It's getting rid of something that people find is, you know, inherently evil. And so I feel like just getting rid of Greek life as a whole and doing nothing else about it would not be good at all because, because you know, these inherently racist attitudes and these sexual um, assaults are still going to happen. And so I feel like without major cultural changes with the way that people see other people in society, then I, I don't really see much changing in college campuses. And so that's why I think that if it were possible to do major reform within Greek life, then I would totally be, be down for it, but I don't think the people in Greek life would be down for the changes that would actually need to be like put in place.
0: Also to like quickly add on to that, it's not like up to just the people in Greek life to reform Greek life. Like the national organizations, like that administration has to be for it as well, and like time and time again when chapters have tried to reform, those people in like the national organization Don't allow it. Like they won't allow people to, they won't allow individual chapters or individual people to make the changes that they see fit. And so there's like that barrier that makes reform impossible, or at least reform to the point where it would actually matter, be substantial, makes it impossible. Um, But I also want to add that I do think there is a conversation going on at Vanderbilt about what to do next unfortunately, I think that the abolished Greek life movement has sort of been taken over by a lot of white students who are just dropping just to drop because they think it's the right thing to do um, without really thinking about it that much. And just because a lot of people are doing it. And ultimately, so like abolished Greek life as a movement is sort of being taken over by those white students, I think. And, and I don't love to see that happening. But I do also want to pay respect to the people that are having the conversation about what's going to happen next. And I think that 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 is going on. Like we're talking about, you know, making women and gender studies courses mandatory as part of the core curriculum. or making classes in the African-American diaspora studies department mandatory as well for the core curriculum. And I think that those are things that are really important.
1: So we're back. Julia, cut you off. If you want to just go ahead and finish what you're saying yeah. about like white students basically co-opting the whole movement.
0: Yeah, I think that's been something that's been frustrating about just seeing what's happening with the movement um but i do again want to just pay respect to the people who actually started it and also the people who are kind of more underground working towards having these conversations and and actually talking to the school and talking about different ways that we can actually improve the campus environment after greek life is abolished so while there is a lot of like white students um co-opting the movement i do think that there is still a conversation going on about what's going to happen next
3: a comment on that just like what that means for like race i I think one of the things that was so weird for me it might have been for other like minorities who wanted to enact any kind of change is that we just can't do it 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 just became quickly another situation where this isn't a problem until white people want to start caring about it being a problem and and and, and again because it didn't start there it still it didn't feel like this is white people caring about this being a problem this is white people not wanting to have to deal with the problem um and so that, that 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 was a that's a pretty hard thing to kind of you know reckon with especially when that's the motivating force behind the um, movement
1: um so we've been recently talking about like what vanderbilt would look like after greek like greek life is abolished like basically what you guys would want to see because obviously if it's just removed there's still going to be racist things happening on campus like it's not going to be all perfect and that's not a good attitude to have to think like oh we abolish this we're good now we're like in a post-racial world when that won't be the case so what are some ideas whether it's like your own or what have other students basically proposed as next steps for when Greek life is abolished?
2: Yeah um, I don't know any specific next steps I haven't really thought about that much uh, but I just want to say if you're thinking of dropping Greek life or you've already dropped it, or you're, you're staunchly against the AGL movement. um, I just urge you to to, just look at the system you're involved in and not your personal experiences in it, but how it's affecting other people and just put yourself in their shoes just for a minute and just imagine how it's affecting them because at the end of the day, that's what makes us human. It's, it's our ability to empathize with other people and it's our ability to understand that other people have different experiences than our, than our own and that your actions are affecting other people. And so if you're thinking about any of these things, don't just do something to do something. Change the way that you really view your actions affecting other people and, you know, make a difference in your own life and others and not just do an action to just be performative. I think a change personally that I would like to see,
3: and I think it's it's pretty physical. Like, so the houses, what are you gonna do with all these houses? We have all these houses on campus. Uh, What's gonna happen with them? So that's like another thing. It's like, who are you gonna give these houses to? Um, And I think that, and this is way far, I, I, you know, honestly, this might sound like I'm dreaming here, but I'm just imagining every house belonging to a different multicultural org and then, like, like first off, we have to foster an environment where more people go to cultural orgs that aren't their culture. Because I think on Vandy, at Vandy's campus right now, there's not a lot of that. Um, and I know, like, a, a big complaint from a lot of people is people going to swiping in for GME credit and things like that. And I think that that's more a Vanderbilt fault than necessarily a Greek member fault, because time is very valuable. And then, like, just it, it's just incentivizing Diversity, and I think that that's like a big issue to try to incentivize anything that should come from within. um But I I would just love to see some of these houses going to these multicultural orgs and kind of creating like this inviting place. Like maybe on a like a Friday or a Saturday night, they can still throw the same parties. I mean, just give them the same regulations. But it's just like you know, this might not be a Greek life party. Just say this is a BSA led party, or you know, an an Asian Student Association led party. And I think that'd be awesome. And then they could be themed, and it's like it's like a cultural carnival all the time like I, I think that's way cooler than Greek life if we could put you know different cultures on blast constantly um and then change Greek row to being something like that obviously that's going to take a lot of work and take a long time and a lot of people have to leave Greek orgs but I, I think that'd be a cool step to take It's just really just throwing our resources um in different cultures on campus
0: I think people are worried too that if Greek life doesn't exist then like for example a lot of the people that are in fraternities aren't going to get the like mandatory sexual assault prevention training that they get from Project Safe, which is an organization on at, at Vanderbilt that you know does like consent training and sexual assault prevention and survivor services and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then frats have a mandated program, I believe, with um, Project Safe. And so I think people are worried like, oh, well, if they're not in a frat, where are they gonna get that education? Where are they gonna get that programming? Um, and I think, honestly, it's up to Vanderbilt to make those changes and implement them within our curriculum. Like I said earlier, we don't have to take courses in women and gender studies. We don't have to take courses in African-American, african America, American diaspora studies. Um, and by implementing those things within our curriculum, not only would people be getting, you know, that, that education that they would have gotten, would have gotten from Project SAVE, but they would also be in a learning space that I feel like would actually foster more real conversation about it. Because, like, for me, what always seemed off about that, like, mandatory program that a frat has is that it's, like, they're just in a room with, like, 50 of their frat brothers and one woman who is standing up there trying to, like, get them to empathize with survivors of sexual assault. Like, I've heard a lot from friends of mine in fraternities about how people don't pay attention, people don't listen, people don't really care. Um, And so in that environment, when they're only having to hold each other accountable for having that conversation, I feel like it's actually counterproductive. It doesn't do anything. Whereas if it was outside of Greek life in like a classroom where you're going to have, you know, students coming from all different backgrounds, having the conversation together, I think that they would actually learn a lot more um, and also, you know, feel more, uh, I don't want to say obligated, but like it's just a more inclusive setting, I guess, to have that conversation.
1: And I could imagine it would likely look the same if there was, like, some sort of diversity training, you know, people likely wouldn't take it too seriously, my guess. That would just be my guess, but
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just been very interesting to see, like, all these different things, like, even outside of race, like, sexual assault, and, like, classism, and, like, all these different things really go into, shaping Greek life and I think it's just giving more reasons for people to really look at the system and want to abolish it but have you guys had conversations with students at all that are like really against abolishing Greek life and do you know like what are some like what are some of the common reactions or responses you've seen from students who really don't want to drop or don't want it abolished at all?
2: Yeah uh the main one that I think I've heard is that if all of the the quote unquote good people drop from Greek life, then Greek life would be more concentrated with the people who actually do commit these things like sexual assault. So they kind of take it upon themselves to stick in Greek life because they would make it less bad or try to reform it from the inside. But I feel like the problem with that is that reform would be pretty drastic because there are a lot of things that need to change within the system. And I don't think that most of the people would be down for the actual changes that need to happen. But yeah, it's, it's mainly that, that they, they say that if you leave Greek life, then it's gonna be even worse.
0: Yeah, I think the most common response is like, oh, well, if I stay, then I can help reform. And then I'm like, I guess my next question for that person is, well, why do you wanna reform? Um, and, and usually, the, at least in my experience, the conversations I've been having with people who are like, yes, I wanna reform, are typically white students, and, and I'm like, well, why do you want to reform, and, and their response is usually, well, I want to make Greek life more inclusive, like, I want to help these people that are saying they're so negatively affected by it, and I'm like, well, did you actually listen to the people that are saying they're so negatively affected by it, because they're actually not asking you to reform it. They're, they're telling you that it's beyond reform. They're telling you that like the system itself functions off of exclusion and there's no way of getting around that and and if you really listen to the people that you say you want to reform it for, it's kind of, at least for me, it was hard to like listen to that and then be like, oh, I still want to reform because that just didn't make sense. That's, that's like not the next logical step and, and then I think for a lot of students that I've talked to, it's then sort of just a matter of recognizing and realizing that it's like Putting your own social benefits over those experiences, kind of, and whether or not you're okay with that. And I have had conversations with people that were like, "Yeah, I'm okay with that." And I've also had conversations with people that that once they realized that it was really a matter of them putting their own social benefits over other people, um, that were like, "Damn, I didn't really look at it like that before. Now I do. I support abolishing Greek life now." You know.
3: Um, I think another like important thing about going about the reform and just the people who do want to reform is that any physical reform is happening on paper. So when, when I, I just looking at this movement analogous to any social justice movement, um, if like so we're going to look at like a civil rights movement on paper, it is illegal to hold black people or any type of person back in America from doing anything they want to do, like, you know, from voting, doing all of these different things on paper that is illegal. But how that plays out in the real world is due to like individual people and like it's a, it's a matter of heart. And so for me, I I think that we're getting to this unique point with especially the most current civil rights movement, the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter thing happening right now has been the largest civil rights movement, I think, quite literally to ever happen on earth. Um, And I think that because there's so many new people that have never tried to fight this fight, tried to educate themselves. And then what's even more frustrating is tried to educate other people. There's kind of this sense of, oh, well, let's give it a shot. And most of the people who are saying, let's get rid of it, are the people who have already tried to give it a shot. I know personally, I am done trying to educate anyone about anything. I'll have a conversation with you. But as far as the pressure I've felt um, on my life up until this point to talk to people, educate people, tell you can do this, tell them you should do that, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm I'm here to actually enact action at this point. And I think that, I I don't know, I think it'll be kind of, you know, eye-opening for the people who are saying, I'd like to reform Greek life because I know it's not going to happen. Me personally, if I had to put money on it, I put money on it. Not happening. Um, But a lot of these people have not been in situations in their life where, you know, I don't want to speak. I don't want to put everybody in a box and I don't want to put everybody in an umbrella. But if we are talking about upper class white people in America, what have you been fighting for? You know, um, where are your, your civil and social activist efforts? What's going on here? Have you done this before? And I love that. When I look around in my friend group, I see more understanding of overall social issues than any anybody behind me or any other generation would. You know, my grandma's like, "Oh, I don't trust white people," and I'm like, "You know, hey, with white people, when she was growing up, were pretty awful to her, so it makes sense." But you know, I I do I have a you know a reinforced, you know, belief that we are getting better. But I, I do believe that that's kind of a bit naive to think that well, if we write in this doctrine, that we're going to do this when sexual assault happens, or we're going to do this to increase inclusivity again, you're, you're incentivizing topics that, you know, the, their, their solutions originate in heart. Um, And I, I am interested to see for those who are going for reform when, if they do do it, I don't know, it might happen, but you know, when, when they get to that point where they're like, wait a minute, nothing is actually happening. I've written a lot on paper. I've got a lot of constitutions changed. I got a lot of other training in this building, but what am I at? like? How can I actually change people? And it's not your decision. It's it's not an it's not an up down decision to change um, socially. It's a everybody for themselves having to make the change and you know wanting to think differently actually. And uh, I don't know. I think I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for the people who are going for reform because yeah. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I, it's it's tiring. It's it's so so ridiculously tiring. So
1: yeah. And you said it yourself earlier that like Vanderbilt is one of the most like in comparison to other big universities is like one of the most like reformed versions of Greek life. Yeah. So likely any other idea of reform someone could come up with now is just probably not going to work with Vanderbilt. Yeah. It might work at other places, but it just seems like at Vanderbilt, there's not much else you could do.
3: And not the sound hopeless for my school. I love Vanderbilt so very dearly. Vanderbilt has its shortcomings. But, you know, Julie and I were talking earlier, and just one of the things that I was saying is that whenever you get to a point where you have the freedom to speak the way we are about AGL, you have the freedom to bring up certain things, you also have to realize that there's a lot of people and a lot of mindsets and a lot of systems that have been put in place to pave the way to give you the pedestal to stand on in that moment. Um, And I think that Vanderbilt has already put, and the people who have come before us, have put a lot of work into giving us the kind of platform to speak about all the things we speak about. I mean, I I couldn't imagine trying to run an AGL page at UF, UGA. I'm in the South. There's no way. You get death threats. They'll send lawyers after the people making, you know, these things. It's not going to happen. But, you know, it's in in a way, while atrocious things are coming to light, um, it's kind of refreshing to know that we are in the kind of student body who can stand as this nationwide, worldwide leader on these social issues. And I, I think that says a lot about the work that Vanderbilt has put in, Vanderbilt administration and people working, um, to just make it a better place. I, you know, it's 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 promising.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't have any more. I think that was a good note to end on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I really like this. I learned a lot. If anything, it just confirmed me not wanting to go join a sorority even more than before. So. And that's the end of the episode. Like always, I hope you learned something. I think it was a really productive conversation, especially for people listening, whether they're students at Vanderbilt, students considering to join Greek life, or students who don't know if they want to drop whatever it is they're a part of. I really think what Julia, Joey, and Lamar said about really picturing a system larger than yourself, even if you might have good experiences, to really think about The implications of you joining in a historically racist and exclusionary system and if that's something you really want to be a part of and next week's episode is going to be the last episode for this podcast series at least for now and I'll go into why later in the next episode but it is a conversation between me and another person about one of the most racist things that has happened to me when I was younger, and we basically have a conversation about what happened, and it's a conversation I wouldn't imagine to ever have in my life, and to say the least, it was quite crazy, and yeah, stay tuned for that episode, and I'll likely update people in the next one, or I might even do a quick like 10-minute episode talking about the future of the series. And yeah, that's about it, so thank you.